This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, I'm Hanif Baharuddin. You're tuned into the show that explores the narratives of historical landmarks and places in the Klang Valley. It's been 50 years since KL was first granted its city status in 1972. And with celebrations and future projects announced since the anniversary last month, we decided that perhaps this would be a good time to reflect on how much KL has evolved over the past 50 years. Kuala Lumpur has gone through major changes since 1972, the year it officially became a city. From a very humble beginning at that famous confluence to being what it is now today, Malaysia's capital has definitely gone through an exciting journey that must be a whirlwind for its occupants. So in this episode, we're going to sit down and contemplate KL's evolution and transformation with our resident heritage conservation expert, Elizabeth Cardosa. Not its origins, but its cityhood. So it's um, as in... Kuala Lumpur City Hall, you know. Before that, it would have been a town hall. It would, the local authorities would have been a municipal council as opposed to a city council. So 50 years, it's not the oldest city in the country. The oldest city is Georgetown as a city in terms of achieving city status officially. Uh, but we won't talk about that. But Kuala Lumpur as a city... 1972, and we celebrated its 50th anniversary on the 1st of February 2022, you know, and that's City Day. And um, so what, what does that mean exactly? You know, I mean, you know, I, I was, was I around in KL. I mean, I would have been around in KL showing my age. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, 1972. I, you were know, were I you mean, around to be fair? I mean, no offense, I mean, but were you around? No, 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 was I alive? Of course I was alive. I mean, no, I mean, but did I live in KL then? No, but did I visit KL? Yes. And uh, I was still in, I think I was doing fifth form or sixth form. Sixth, yeah, it was fifth form or sixth form, something like that in that period. And, um, you know, prior to going to university, yeah, fifth form, I think I was doing something long, long, it's long ago. And gosh, and uh, when you think about it, you know, and 50 years have passed, gosh, since I left school. Um, so, so, you know, and KL was the city. I mean, it was the capital and it ha- is still in a sense, you know, it is the financial capital. It is the place that you... We, we talk about Kuala Lumpur, but really when we talk about Kuala Lumpur, people kind of mean the clang, the greater Kuala Lumpur, right? And the greater Kuala Lumpur is the city of Kuala Lumpur. And then it kind of stretches out north, south, east and west. And you kind of like, when you go west, you kind of end up in clang. Uh, not quite as far as Port Klang, but you definitely end up in clang. Uh, when you go south, you kind of end up you know, in Negeri Sembilan almost, right? You know what I mean? Because you 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 go, you go, you definitely get into Selangor, you get into, you pass Sepang and Nilai and, you know, you enter Seremban, you know, and that, and that kind of becomes one. And then you go west, that's east, sorry, you go east and you kind of like get into Ampang and you get into um, heading Gombak and you start, Heading toward Genting, not quite there yet, but you know, so it, it's Batu Caves, you know, that's all part of Kuala Lumpur. Um, but because there's a Banjaran there, we kind of 
the, the, the city itself doesn't spread that far. And then when you go north, you kind of think about, oh, yeah, let's go for a drive. And, you know, something like Rawang is, you know, not far. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's people go to Tanjung Malim for, you know, to, to just have a meal or to go fishing or whatever. I mean, it's not, you go to Kuala Kububaru and you go, you know, so the, this notion of what is a city is actually really quite interesting. It's officially, what does it mean in terms of government, right? Authority, who governs, who controls. Um, and when you talk to people who live in PJ, you know, where do you come from? Some people may say PJ, but some people may just make it just easier and say, I'm from KL. But actually, you live in PJ, maybe you work in KL. I live in PJ, I work in KL. Um, and, um, you know, when people say, where are you from? I just say KL because it's easier. Correct. Even now, I think I, I sometimes, you know, accidentally find myself saying that, you know, especially when I'm talking to people from out of town that, you know, I work in KL, whereas, well, I mean, technically... Well, my office is in KL now, officially. Now, but it was in <laughs> yeah. Selangor before, right? Correct. But but still, if I mean, because I live in Selangor, so it feels I don't necessarily consider... And it's not the center of KL. It's, the, it's just by virtue of, you know, yeah, geographical it's, it's, lines that it's, is in KL. Yeah, yeah, it's just easier to just refer to it. It makes people kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it gives them a perspective or a point of view or somewhere to, you know... Um, in your mind's eye, locate you on a map, right? Um, yeah, so we all kind of like say, KL, oh yeah. So, you know, are you really from KL? And, um, you know, you can say, I work in KL because that's my, my work address, right? I can say, for me, I can say my parents uh, were born and bred in KL, but then they lived outside of Kuala Lumpur for 50 years before they came back to KL in the early 2000s, and it was unrecognizable because they left KL in and around the early, 19, the early 1950s when KL was still Selangor, you know, it had not become not Selangor. And as a matter of fact, uh, KL remained in Selangor until 1974 when it became federal territory. So people get confused, you know, KL as Wilaya Persekutuan, uh, KL as select, you know, people get confused. Actually, it's very clear. Kuala Lumpur as a city, reaching city status, you know, it had a boundary as a city, all cities, you know, you have a geographical boundary. And this geographical boundary is really for, for, for authorities and for government to, to manage your, your resources, your assets, where you pay your taxes, you know, who cleans your roads, you know, where's everybody. So that's one. And then also it has to do, obviously, city has to do with size of population. Uh, the, 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 at, at, the, at the time, you know, 1972, you know, Kuala Lumpur had a population of about 1 million. And 50 years later, Kuala Lumpur's population um, day and night population, but residential population, I mean, who live in KL, who have a KL residential address, maybe, what do they say? I think the latest census have said something about 1.7, 1.8 million. But the greater Klang Valley has got, what, 7 million? You know, so imagine there are all those millions of all of us who live in Selangor, 
but work in KL. So the daytime working population, you know, movement in and out is quite seamless in a sense. I mean, when you're driving on the highway, unless you know I'm crossing a border, you don't really think about it as a border, right? You just, I'm going home, lah. I'm going home, I just happen to cross a border, right? You, you know, it's not, it's not a conscious thing. I'm moving state, I'm moving, I'm crossing borders, you know? Um, but remember during MCO, and when we had the lockdown, we couldn't move between states, right? Um. Okay. I, I know we're supposed to talk about KL, but what was it like before before Selangor eventually moved its capital to Shalam? Because because I I I like right now I, I can't imagine you know having like Selangor's capital administration in KL like as at least in in like in Kuala Lumpur, because once upon a time it was still there right until at least yeah early 70s yeah, yeah, yeah right because the state of selangor the capital of the state of selangor the administrative capital was kuala lumpur so what you see as the sultan Samad building for example uh, it had the selangor state offices there the state government had some of their offices there but kuala lumpur as a city as a town at that time you know before it reached city status there was a local city council, a town council. And that was in the building next door, which was the Dewan Bandaraya, the town hall. So uh, one looked after the local, localized that area. And the other, the state government, obviously had state matters to, to refer to. And of course, in Selangor, we have to remember that Klang was the royal town. So as the royal town, uh, there were certain status, there were certain things that had to happen, obviously, because the royal town, the, the royal capital, the, the seat of the sultan's power, meaning the main palace was in Klang, right? But the, roy, the administrative centre um, was KL. I don't think people really thought about it as... KL and Selangor at that time. It's really only after the separation or where Kuala Lumpur, in a map of uh, Selangor, if you look at a map of Selangor, you will see this one lubang, one empty space, which is the boundary of this city of Kuala Lumpur. So, you know, um, in 1974, that happened. But in 1972, when KL became a city, uh, you know, its boundaries were something like, I think if you read it up, it's something like 94 square hectares or some square kilometres, square kilometres. Um, and if you think about it, hundred and uh, just over 120 years before that, in the mid, in the 1850s, Kuala Lumpur as a, center as a city as a rather as a settlement okay was made up of the area immediately around what we now know as the the con i mean what we now call the confluence the the masjid jamik area so on so there's masjid jamik in the middle which is the confluence of two rivers this is you know uh, when the mosque was moved there 1906 uh, but let's say you know you had um North of the river, you had Kampung Jawa, um, you had uh, Malay Street, you have Malacca Street, you have so it was, you know, a, a settlement. You had the Chulia, you had the Masjid India, 
So you had um, sort of a localized Muslim population, Javanese, uh, Mandeling, uh, uh, Sumatra, you know, different, different groups, Achini, all living north in the north part across uh, from what used to be called Java Street. Okay, so these names of roads are very telling because they kind of indicate who was there, right? And then in the south of that, uh, you would have what we now call Chinatown or sometimes called Chinatown, um, Petaling Street, you know, where the Chinese uh, commercial areas uh, developed. And then on one side, of it, uh, which is where the Sultan Summit building on, on, on that side, the Gombat River, uh, was where um, the colonial administration housed themselves, the police, the, you know, the, the, the area of government, right? The civic administration held themselves. And so the city was divided up uh, by, you know, pockets, shall we say, you look at Putrajaya, you call precinct, right? We don't want to call precinct, but, you know, areas where, where different groups, different community groups, different um, groups interacted uh, with each other on, on uh, you know, but, but they lived and they practiced their own sort of cultural, religious, language, whatever practices, you know, within more smaller areas because we didn't have motorized transport people walked right so so it's but in a, in the 1850s literally the area of Kuala Lumpur when you look at a map from the 1880s let's say the area of Kuala Lumpur was no more than uh, that was developed built up housed you know was what um, an area of one square mile two square miles. And in, by 1920, 1910, 1920, it was only about 20, 30 square miles. It was not big. And it doesn't mean that there were no people living around it because there was Kampong, there were, of course, there were other settlements, right? And there was the, the mining settlements that, you know, on which Kuala Lumpur grew its wealth. But if we think about KL now, we don't think about tin, do we? It's kind of there, but it's kind of the history of it, isn't it? Where did KL get its wealth, you know? Um, upon what was this economy, what was the wealth of Kuala Lumpur built on? So what was there in 1972? I'll tell you, in 1972, the center, the hub of KL was Jalan Tuanku Abdurrahman, which was still called Batu Road at that time. Um, and that was where the main shopping district was. Um, and the big shops at that time were like Globe Silk Store, you know. And the big, we talked about the, the, the Colosseum Cafe, right? You know what I mean? Um, these were the, the first KFC was found on, um, when it was open, was on Batu Road. I mean, imagine that, you know, nowadays, you know, you can't imagine that that, and that was where people flocked to, you know, and that was the centre, that was the, the retail hub, okay? Um, and of course, the Pataling Street area and all that, that was quite traditional. You, you had 
you know, just and these were all nearby, right? You had traditional businesses, the markets, the the central market was still operating. So in the middle of what is now, you know, the city centre, we had a wholesale wet market. Can you imagine that? Totally unfathomable nowadays to to people. You know, um, it's like you you think that you know after it was relocated out in the mid eighties to Selayang, Selayang was way out in the boonies before. Now it's kind of like part of this greater KL. I mean, you talk about. I live in Selayang. I live in Kelbich Park. Oh, I live in Selayang. I mean, it's still KL, right? Um, you know, and so it's like, oh, I live in Chiras, you know. But your 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 address, your postcode is still Kuala Lumpur. That was our resident heritage conservation expert Elizabeth Cardosa sharing her take on KL's journey as a city, 50 years since it was first granted that status. We're going for a short break. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharudin, and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Baharudin. KL officially celebrated its 50th anniversary as a city last month, so we're taking this opportunity to look back at how the city has progressed since 1972. We spent the first part of the show looking at how KL's identity has evolved, and we're going to continue that conversation by looking at the city's accessibility to its surrounding areas back then and whether it was as accessible as it is now. Here's heritage conservation expert Elizabeth Cardosa. I suppose it would have been a bit far. I mean, you know, if you think about it, there were buses. And they were very efficient, the local buses, there were many buses. Um, but it was a different pace. You know, we didn't have the kind of trains, public transport, you know, what do you call it, e-hailing taxis. <laughs> there, there, were, there were taxis and there were buses. And if you lived in Chiras, it was like a bit like, hmm. It's like, hmm, okay, you're not a city folk, you know, you're just a bit like... Imagine, I mean, Chiras is so huge. It's like you go from one taman to another. It's highly sophisticated. It's you know, it, it's it's not it's not out there. Or in the, it is central. It's it's still part. You know, this conurbation, the city as we know it now, is huge, right? I think if you would say 50 years ago, it was not so much that it was not accessible, but the pace was much different. And you didn't have, you had traffic jams, let me tell you, you still, but the kind of traffic jams you had are not the kind of congestion of traffic that you get now because the roads were narrower. They were, they, you know, traffic, it was slower. So imagine sort of, Rush hour was rushed, but it was, you had, you could still operate, um, you know, within reasonable um, breathing time. You know, you were not commuting um, just, you know, 10 kilometers and having to spend an hour in the traffic. You might be spending 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever it is. I, I, I can't, I'm no good with timing. But I remember going from Damasara Heights, let's say, to the center of KL, driving through in the middle of the Lake Gardens. Now you can't do it because all those roads are still there, but they're closed. 
you know, I mean, meaning they, they, they're broken up in different ways and you have your highways. So the highways now take you and cut across, they cut across what um, were these many, many hills of KL. Um, you moved, you, you, the sense of being in a, a geographical, a geological, like a, lands, a topographical landscape of, you know, hill rises and, and, and lower valleys. And you are driving in between these valleys. And so the roads are not straight. Nowadays, everything is like straight, right? You know, and we have to get from one place to another place that really chapat and we take our highways, correct? Now? You know, before they meandered, you know, through these. Um, and so when you get into these older roads, you kind of like your pace has to change. The speed at which you drive has to change. And in a sense, I think, for me, I like to take the older roads because I kind of it's a bit of a pause, and it also means you kind of like can look, you can look, you can spend a bit of time sort of eyeing the view rather than worrying about the next the driver next to you, you know, on because because it's not you know six lane highway, you know, it's like you're going in this direction and there's the other lane is coming in the opposite direction. And so it's, it's a different pace, I think. And so, yeah, I mean, what was that? So, like I said, you know, your, your, your city center, your retail center was in 1972 would have been, uh, you want to go shopping? Where do you go shopping? You go to Batu Road. Now you want to go shopping? You look for a mall, right? And not only do you look for a mall, you look for a mall, sort of probably a mall that's close to your neighborhood, to your, your taman where you live. So if you live as, as we do on the PJ side, we might be looking at malls, you know, like Mid Valley or like Wanutama. Or what. But if we're looking, living closer to, you know, and Charas will have their own and if you're living in and around the city center. And of course you want to go to the, exciting upmarket malls to we can't afford anything there but we just go in window shop right pavilion la uh you know um surya klcc you know and within the center of 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 that that area of kl which in the 1970s became were um a banking hub you know they they were a financial hub they were not now the banking hub is moving Again, so everything over a period of time changes and then it renews itself, it becomes something different. It still remains reasonably commercial, but the kind of commerce that you find in that area changes, and maybe the level of you know how well, up market's not the way, but you know, pricing your price points change, you know. So, so you would, you would, uh, if you want to go for the branded goods now, you would need to go into these uh, big, uh, expensive upmarket retail places. Before it was all about your road. Yeah, and and that's the thing, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, when you proposed this topic, I was thinking about how you know KL has changed, and the number of malls that we have is just. <laughs> You know, you can't even count, right? Exactly, and 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 a part of me can't help but wonder whether is that KL's modern identity? You know, I mean, as much as <laughs> you, you know, yeah, the city can be a center of commerce, but is that the kind of commerce that we're, I guess, advocating for one way or another? Well, obviously, the city likes that, and 
and I suppose there must be enough people who want to shop in places like that, that although I, I'm not so sure. I mean, it's someone once said to me, you know, when we were, when we were looking at the potential, at that time potential, since it's happened subsequently, uh, demolition of um, a food jail, you know, to be turned into a mall. And as someone said to me, um, you know, there are so many malls in the area, like, do we need another mall? And he said, it's like, we need a hole in the head, you know? We don't need another mall. I mean, there's so many malls. They service so many people and they all have distinctive identities and they, and they have, in a sense, their own branding. So if you want to get electronic equipment, you go here. If you want to get, you know, clothing, you go there. If you want to spend a bit more money, you go here. If you want, you know... Japanese style goods you go there if you want you know the 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 western high street brands you go you know that and they were all different right um and then and then you get yet another mall and and where are the people coming from I have no idea uh right now whether you know the the hundreds and thousands and millions of square feet of commercial spaces that are available um in this day and age where people are shopping online um, which I think has been um, accelerated because of the COVID situation and because we were all stuck at home and now everybody's buying things virtually. Uh, it's always nice to go out and shop and have a look at, and, and, and see and feel and touch. But, you know, how safe do you feel? You know, how, you know what I mean? So all of these things sort of add up, right? Um, and um, so... But malls are still opening, you know. That, that, that there's a new mall that's just opened in the city center, and and in the and as new neighborhoods or new um, housing estates open, uh, new shopping areas open, and some of them are street style shopping, right? Shop houses and all of that, you know. So so sort of more open air commercial, but some of them are interior. Um, retail spaces. Uh, just the other day, I went to Shalom Glen, Glen Murray, and there was this huge mall there, I, which I didn't know existed near Puncha Alam or something like that. I had absolutely no idea that there was such a thing. Um, and then I was told, oh, it's been here for years. And I'm like going, okay, I obviously don't venture into this part of the world. It was humongous. There were hotels. There, were, there was retail space. It was you know, it, almost like convention center kind of like facilities for for weddings. I went there for a wedding, uh, you know, um, and it's, it's, gosh, who goes there, you know, or who, obviously there must be enough of a population to access these places. So, but yeah, is that the direction that KL wants to go to? Maybe get good rates. I don't know. I don't know. I personally, I don't do malls, but you know, a lot of people do malls, so. <laughs> you mentioned earlier about how KL used to be known as, uh, or used to be the hub of, I guess, thin mining activities. Yeah, uh, yeah a long uh, time ago, before the market fell out. Well, yes, but yes. Yeah, but that's... that's where it originally made its wealth, right? Mm, the thing is, 
I have never seen remnants of that in the city. You know what I mean? And I want to perhaps, you know, you know, actually, yeah, you know, if there's even a place where you can pay a visit to see how it was back then, it'd be kind of cool. Like, I mean, do you know any other any places in KL that, you know, if you were to go, you can actually see remnants of all these old activities, you know? KL's prior identity before becoming what it is now. Um, in terms of museums? Not necessarily. Uh, I mean, museum is a good, I guess, entry point, but, you know, like, if you go to an actual place where, you know, there used to be an old factory or whatever, you know? Um, how do I put it? Very few people are like you, Hanif, that would ask a question like that um, because you kind of want things a bit more sanitized uh, and and less, less hot or grubby. Um, well, I will say that, uh, you know, um, I'm not sure that I'm allowed to do this on air, but, but I, I, I think they're great anyway. Um, the raw slang or visitor center, for example, out in Wansabaju, which is KL, um, have got um, at their visitor center, they've got, you know, an exhibition, but they also show you what a tin ingot looks like. And they, they you, you know, you have, a, you have, there are photos and they, I mean, obviously it's related to pewter, the pewter industry and how uh, the, that particular uh, brand uh, works and, you know, and their roots and their origins. But of course, because when we're talking about pewter, we're talking about tin. So, so there is that, there is that which, you know, it, it, you know, gives you a sense of, of what it was, but it is in a very nice place and you have a very beautiful visitor experience. Um, you know, as you do with the museum, you know, it, it's all very, it's not, it's not, gritty and grimy and as you were talking about you know can I go and see a factory there was it also wouldn't be safe in this day and age we're really about health and safety and we're not going to allow you to be on a tin dredge without you know all your safety trappings because it's not um <laughs> it just it just wouldn't be allowed right um because it's not because we don't know how to behave we don't know we won't wear the right shoes you know we won't have the right gear you know what i mean we'd probably be you know tripping and falling and being a danger to others never mind to ourselves you know um but having said that in and around there is there are a couple of tin dredges you know that are still open uh nearby that you can nearby meaning in para you know or in, in, I think there's one in Denkil still, um, you know, where you might be able to visit and have some idea, some sense of it. And of course, all the old tin mines that have been converted into theme parks, <laughs> uh, you know, and but some of the old mining ponds have become, you know, little fishing areas and, and or community, uh, you know, where in and around your communities. But you're right, you don't get that sense of KL being built on the back of, of tin anymore. Um, there isn't that story, much of that story that, that exists or is vis visible, that is visible, I think. Um, and so, yeah, uh, how do you get it back? Or how do you um, present its identity? And KL is a commercial centre. It is the capital city. It is the commercial capital. It is the banking capital. It is. And so it, it wants to uphold that identity of itself in 2022. How does that make it different. I was going to say the Petronas Twin Towers um, with all the silver um, and, and metal 
tight cladding that you see, maybe tin. I don't know. I don't think that was the idea behind it. But I'm just, you know, making just making a point. Um, yeah. How do you how do you represent? Is it a need to? But I think there is a need to keep the memory of its roots. The question is, how do you do it so it's sensitive, and it's sensible, and it tells a story which is not false. Uh, so you don't make up a fairy tale. And I think that there certainly are some local, smaller museums, which are local museums that have made an attempt to do that, um, not just, you know, at the national level. Um, and, and, you know, some of them privately owned and, 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 and functioning to try to tell that story successfully or less successfully, you know, it's not something. But there are attempts, I think, um, for, from community groups, from individuals who are kind of saying, but, you know, our business has been here for a certain number of years. We, we're, we're third, fourth generation in the same business. Let's try to, we, we rebrand because we are conscious of what people want nowadays, you know, and we are moving with the times. But so we use social media to promote ourselves, but we also want our roots and, and that story being told. And I think that with the current generation, there is, there is people who are not necessarily of your, you know, the millennials, but um, the Gen Zs and the Gen, then, you know, uh, the, who are the Gen Ys, um, who are looking at that and saying, you know, let's try and, you know, get to our past. Uh, where did we come from, you know, and so that we appreciate our present and our future. And I think that from the heritage perspective, it is quite interesting to see the, the rehabilitation of all places into these spanking new businesses or, you know, uh, new uses. So you have shop houses that are F&B, big time, right? F&B. Uh, because, you know, Malaysia, we just love, we love it. I mean, and rightly so, okay? No, no shade on it. Um, but, uh, you know, what, what are we trying to, to, what tells the test of time is if you survive, you know, the fad, if you survive the trend. And I think the more thoughtful ones will survive. The ones who invest more into understanding and, and telling the story of their past, they will hopefully survive. But you have to change and you have to morph because you can't sell in the same way that you did before. You can't, you can't um, tell the story in the same way that you did before because, because uh, the world is different and people get information in a different way. So, yeah, KL at 50, you know, I, I, it's a golden jubilee. I have no idea how they're going to. Uh, what kind of things they would be doing to celebrate it. But KL in the 1970s and, you know, 80s was culturally, it had a lot going for it. It had a certain energy and a certain vibrance, which I, I suppose I'm maybe I'm a bit jaded. I don't see 
now. I see a lot of a lot of sophistication, but the spirit of it, you know, the the sense of that 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 sensibility, the source of it, I think, is more superficial. Um, but it may not be like that all the time. And I think it's just, you know, as things go into cycles, um, Kale is coming into its own. You know, are you? Kale has got so many things speaking for it. It's got public spaces. It doesn't have them very well maintained, but it has them, you know. Um, it's got all these assets. It has the national everything, the National Theatre, the National Library, the National this, the National that, the National Sports Centre, the National, 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 you know, um, which means that, that you know, it, it, it should be proud of itself. It should be proud of its achievements. Sometimes we don't really look at it that way. And, and, and I think that if we don't maintain it, if we kind of build it and then we forget it, you know, we neglect it. You know, the truth of the matter is, if we really were proud of it, we would look after it. So, so what does all of that mean for for KL? And who's responsible? I think we, as KL lights, <laughs> um, you know, people living in and around the Klang Valley who consider KL their home, uh, should really be quite conscious of of its history. And it's past, and it's not a question of saying we should go re- revert. And forget it. We don't. We don't need to revert, but we do need to remember, and we need, do need to bring forward the good things, and we do need to make sure the bad things don't happen. You know, and just because something is old, back to my heritage, right? Just because something is old, it doesn't mean that it is bad, or it doesn't mean that it. Should be just considered precious, or that you make up a fairy tale about it. So, yeah, Kuala Lumpur at fifty. You've been tuning in to I Love KL, and this week our resident heritage conservation expert Elizabeth Cardosa joined us for a contemplation of KL's identity as it celebrates its fiftieth anniversary as a city. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my slash ilovekl, our app which you can find via Google Play and the App Store and you can also find our podcast on Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin and you have been tuning in to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Stay safe and join us again next week only on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.